0: Hello, friends, and welcome back to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. We are a Final Fantasy XIV companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Heidelin and beyond. My name is Jen, and I'm joined by my co-host and researcher.
1: I'm Levi. Today, we are continuing the main story quest through the quest, A Cold Reception. But first, what happened last time, Jen?
0: So in this Company of Heroes sequence of tests that we had to do, the last thing we had to do was get this wine. So we go to wine port to get some wine. They don't have any wine. There is none that's good enough, and the guy that has the good enough stuff doesn't want to deal with us. But eventually we find a super thought-to-be-extinct variety of wine wine vine (laughs) (laughs)
1: vine. (laughs) grapevine (laughs) grapevine
0: and uh holy shit just like that we save the wine port wine industry it is revitalized and the whole of eorzea we'll be able to enjoy bacchus wine once again and with that we have completed all the tests the company of heroes all show up and they're like you did it you're amazing great now go get titan so then we go get titan
1: by get you mean kill yes oh my god jen alpha no if you talk to him outside the cutscenes today He calls the Company of Heroes the Company of Zeros.
0: That is on brand. Which
1: warms my heart.
0: Wow. The two of you can go be pompous assholes together somewhere right now. Will do. Okay. Goodness.
1: So we finished off all that Titan business and we have been summoned back to the Waking Sands. We get there and something seems amiss.
0: Oh, well, okay. All right. I'm just going to go ahead and, and preface this by saying um this is this is where we get into the real like meat and potatoes of the a Realm Reborn MSQ. This is probably when a lot of us cried for the first time in the game. It got it got it, it suddenly gets very very dark and very real. And even doing this again for the recording, I I cried like 3 times. It was just you know, so yeah, I, I think, it, you know, for those of you who have played the game before, you know what we're, we're about to get into. Um, but yeah, I it's like it sucks.
1: Immediately upon arriving, even at the front of the waking sands, we see that Tacharu is missing from her post. We head downstairs to the basement. First off, it's extremely dark down here mm-hmm. and the music is creepy can see a face-down body right in the intersection between the path to the solar and the path to the basement. And if we go poking around the whole area before we actually enter the solar, we can see that especially in the, the break room supply area, there are bodies everywhere, including many of the people that we have interacted with so far on the right. side. Many of the side characters who we have spoken to briefly that are not part of the story are dead. And even like um, Haribur, for instance, is down here. The mission changes to search for survivors. Yeah. And there are none to be found anywhere else except for the solar. So we head into there.
0: Right. It's it's basically death all around us. And the last room we have to check is the solar, you know, hoping that we, you know, both find Minfilia, but also we don't find Minfilia. Entering the Solar Menphilia is nowhere to be found. There is only one um, person in here, and it is Noraxia, um, and she is barely hanging on to life. We approach her, and she is happy to see that we are still alive. She has a message for us from Menphilia. Like she's been, she's been hanging on desperately in the hope that we we come and she can pass on this message. This is like the, her last. The last mission she will have in her life.
1: Noraxia is the sylph that was assigned to the scions. If you have name recollection issues, like myself,
0: she reaches out her little hand to us, and this is when the echo takes over and we see the events that preceded the, the massacre.
1: We have come for the one who slayed Ifrit and Titan. Bring him forth, or you shall know no
0: mercy.
1: We go back to where Minfilia is talking to us before we came here. She's saying, hey, good job with Titan, come on back now. And then just as Minfilia signs off the Link Pearl, then there is a commotion out in the hall. Imperials burst into the waking sands, killing everyone on sight, And we see Tataru cowering around a corner. Mm -hmm. Menphilia tries to tell Naraxia to hide so she can convey a message to our character. And Naraxia takes cover behind a desk just as a group of Imperials burst into the solar led by the Harlequin armored Livia Sas Junius.
0: Livia is a cold, merciless bitch. And... So there are a sequence of events that communicate this very nicely. So her and, I don't know, half a dozen Imperial soldiers burst from the solar. They confront Minfilia and their goal here is to find us. They're looking for us, the person who defeated Ifrit and Titan. Minfilia says that we're not here. Um, well, immediately she surrenders. She's like, I surrender myself. You can take me as long as you spare the innocence. Livia thinks this is hilarious and then demands that she turn us over. And Mephilia says that you can you can search the grounds here all you want, you won't find her. And then by the way, how did you know to look here? And she she gasps as in she like realizes suddenly how they knew to look here. Um but it's that's that's the impression that I got anyway. Uh Livia is, you know, like well that seems to be the case. Um however we can still accomplish some things with you so we're gonna you know she's so minfilia is handcuffed uh they turn around and through the doors of the solar we can see that um tataru and papalimo have been captured and they are being led outside after minfilia asks livia how she knew to find them here livia points her gun directly at minfilia's head this is when noraxia or no, she, no. Does she does she shoot at so first.
1: She shoots at the portrait frame that holds Tsubamati, which just the, the right by goes... Minfilia's head. Yeah, exactly. This is just
0: an intimidation tactic.
1: Livia, she doesn't carry a weapon. She has two built-in gun blades into the bracers of her Magitek armor, and she is pretty cavalier about using these things all throughout the scene. Yes. After the warning shot, Minfilia is not phased. There's some more back and forth as Livia tries to get minfilia to spill the beans and she points the the gun arm at Menphilia again and at, this is when Naraxia comes out from behind the desk to interpose herself between livia and minfilia
0: God, minfilia her heart breaks at this moment because she, like this is this is exactly what she tried to prevent
1: not to be too irreverent but livia gives Naraxia a pretty badass like roundhouse kick into the wall. Like it's, that thing has weight to it. Yeah,
0: it is a very severe kick, and it throws Noraxia against the wall. And of course, she has this tiny, fragile little sylph body, and it's that is going to be what kills her eventually. So, again, another display of of um, of callousness and uh, sadism.
1: Not to mention that even though Menphilia has surrendered. Livia does not accept her quote terms of surrender right and this and is
0: after she kicks Nerexia she says terms of surrender denied
1: the Imperials immediately begin to butcher the remaining Scions out in the hallway it is
0: wanton slaughter outside. outside there I mean there's no there's no resistance there's no scuffle it's literally just Scions on the ground completely prone and just being butchered Uh, Livia I guess she decides you know what I, you know what I think yeah we're probably done here We we need to go And she orders her team to stop. One of her team does not stop right away. And she said, I I fucking said stop and just shoots her own guy in the back.
1: This guy is way too into his job. Just stabbing one body repeatedly until Olivia shoots him for disobeying orders.
0: Right. Not because he's a monster, (laughs) because she's the most monstrous of them all. Um, But again, communicating that this woman is... um, volatile and there is no you can't speak reason to her um so this is a very very dangerous person
1: yeah after minfilia gets led out we return to the present and neuroxia expires in front of us after she has passed on minfilia's message which is to take refuge at the church of saint adama landama in in eastern thanalan by camp Drybone
0: before she passes away she says you know this this one tried and forgive this one i mean almost it, like the game moves on pretty much immediately cuz you you're, you're going to walk outside of those those doors and it's going to be like doo, 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 you know vesper bay music which is very jarring and um honestly i didn't i didn't pick up that tataru was missing when i walked in but i sure as fuck noticed when i walked out and yeah. that like it felt it felt wrong So, yeah, off to Camp Drybone we go.
1: This is the church that we spent some time in during the Amalja kidnapping investigation in the much earlier Ifrit quest line. So we head up to the church, which is all about this giant graveyard, this multi-tiered graveyard.
0: It's the the lichyard. Yes, thank you. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And we tell the head priest, Iliad, what happened. And we have to use the code word wild rose or he won't speak up with us. If we're like, the scions all died or whatever, then he's like, Oh, I don't know who that is.
0: Right. Yeah. But we
1: have to say that the the wild roses have perished and then once we give him the code word, he says, speak You're freely. among friends here, mm-hmm. you can speak freely. And he is devastated to hear that the scions have been wiped out. Yeah. He also recounts that he has known Menphilia since she was a child And he will protect us as he did her. He summons over Marquez, who is the odd scatterbrained fellow who lost his memory during the calamity. We talked to him briefly also during that earlier investigation. And he pissed Thankred off because he was so awkward and just confused about his situation. You
0: know, yeah, he's not all there.
1: Marquez is going to be the person that will help us out if we need anything during our time here. Yeah. And if we didn't see them beforehand, the camera angle shows pretty clearly now these goggles that are under Marquez's hood.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Not just normal goggles. Like high-tech. fucking
0: weird ass goggles. Three three eye goggles. We turn to to Marquez, and he actually has a favor to ask of us um, right away. One of the recently deceased that was brought to the church um, had a uh, orologe in his pocket, which he's
1: not dead yet. Oh, he will be soon m- he
0: will be very soon an orolog is a timepiece yeah yeah in much of aorzia such a thing isn't like really known um they don't have this kind of technology this you know this clockwork this is Garlean tech really so that's why he calls it a weird name and i had to google it <laughs> uh, he says i think i can fix it i just i need some tools um if you could find me a what is it like a bull bull's a bullhorn file yeah a bullhorn <laughs> a chisel and some needle nose pliers and he's like these i'm sh- they're not cheap here's a big sack of money uh to go buy them for me i think there's a like a goldsmith in camp that you could ask so we go and we find this traveling goldsmith and we're like hey we need uh we need a chisel and uh, some needle nose pliers the goldsmith's like i'm sure you do uh do you understand these are really expensive and they're like oh, i think this should cover it and we plop a. Like, I've uh, probably way too much money in his hand for these things. And you're going to moogle this out. But this is like, <laughs> pays for anything vibes. Just here's a, just, I have all this money. What help me spend it? So it's, yeah, we give him just a chit ton of money. And he gives us the tools. We go back and give them to Marquez. And he's like, great, I'll be right back.
1: Marquez takes the tools and repairs this device quickly. But there's still an itch in him that is left unscratched. And he wonders where these skills came from. His hands seem to move of their own accord. Regardless, that's a mystery for another time. We are given the orologue to return to its rightful owner, who is in Sister Elunid's care. She's an older nun that is out in the graveyard right now. Out in the Yard, if you're going to correct me again, Jen.
0: That's how they refer to it in the game.
1: We learn, though, that the owner has passed away. The sister remarks that such devices were common in Garthamald. Was this patient a spy? Also, she wonders where Marquez learned these skills. The conversation takes a dour turn, though, when she announces that the bodies of the scions will be delivered shortly to the Lichyard, and we may find some closure ourselves in laying them to rest. So she asks us to go and help to collect them from the waking sands.
0: Ugh. I mean, she's not wrong. This is this is definitely an exercise that would provide closure, but Yeah, God, what a what a way to pursue that.
1: We pop on over to Vesper Bay again, and we find the merchant who is running this kind of corpse collection and disposal operation, and he is very brusque. He gives a brief mention to what a shame it is all these people died and curse those imperials, but also he mostly complains about the weight and the smell of all the bodies.
0: I, I, I wrote down that, um you know, the, the shopkeeper who we're, we're speaking to right now just to say, hey, we're here to help. And then eventually the coachman who will um, carry them to the Lich Yard. Both of these guys, they have no idea who we are. You know, we don't know our they don't know our connection to the Scions. So their their comments are I, I mean, they're they're insensitive. I mean, if if they knew who we were, I mean, they're just kind of doing a job. And they're so far removed from our operations, obviously, you know, but having to talk to them is it like it's almost hurtful. How callous, well, not really callous, but just kind of flippant they are about the whole operation.
1: Now that we're here, though, we get roped in from the merchant's perspective into carrying over the remaining bodies to this cart that's waiting at the entrance to Vesper Bay. And we have to pick up every single of the eight remaining bodies and the action timer is long; it's like five seconds long per body. Mm-hmm. So it makes you feel what you are doing. Yeah, you're you're gonna be cognizant of every single one. The last one, or at least the last batch, has Naraxia's body in it.
0: Yeah, um, I think this group also has our our redheaded, eye patched brother sister. Yeah,
1: these the students of Beldesian that we met briefly. Never actually had part of a story. They were just hanging out in the basement of the waking sands and now they're dead.
0: Yeah. It's just it's just weird to see these, these characters had, you know, they had names and you interacted with them and you exchanged dialogue with them. And then to see them, you know, as corpses, I, I don't like it. Didn't like it. Uh, these eight bodies, um, seven of which are labeled fallen scion. And then Naraxia is labeled as a fallen sylph. I would say I would consider her a scion, you know, in an honorary way, but I understand. So we carry all eight of these people to the carriage so that they can be interred. And the reason these eight were left over is because they were unclaimed, which, and is, you know, especially in Naraxia's, like, I, I can understand why she was unclaimed, but the fact that she was... Put in that category at all bothered me again. Anyway, so we we, we load everybody up into the coach. Well, um,
1: you get closure there in just a minute, then. Right. So after we load the bodies up on the cart, it heads off for the lich yard, and we travel separately, getting there after they have arrived. Sister Eluned tells us that she has begun to lay the bodies to rest, but there's one that she's not equipped to do the rites for. Which is Noraxia. So she gives us the Sylph to transport her back to her homeland in Little Solace.
0: Correct. And I, I have to give out some uh, some props to Sister Elined for, for being a such a comforting presence. She like she says all the right things. She's very understanding and sensitive to this whole operation. So I, I really I really appreciated her dialogue in this moment. It did help me. Uh, it soothed my, um, my, my pain a bit just because she was just so, so, you know, warm and um, really empathetic throughout the process. So we take – and I'm, I, I totally forgot that this happened because the whole time, like, take, you know, loading the corpses up onto the, co- onto the coach, I'm like, why aren't we – going to little solace with Naraxia and giving her back to her community. So we do! Huzzah! I'm very happy about that. We then head to little solace to break the news to her um, to her family that, you know, she has passed away.
1: We speak to Camuxio first, who is the kind of second in command in a fashion, and all these sylphs are aghast at this turn of events. We explain what happened, and the elder Frixio is understanding... He gets that Neuraxia isn't the only one who died, and he thanks us for returning her body.
0: He also asks to um, to know, you know, tell, tell me that she was brave and that she didn't suffer. I mean, we, we sort of lie. She was absolutely brave, but she did suffer. However, I mean... Knowing that she had like a, a very important message, a message to impart, this the last mission that Menphilia gave her in service of that, I feel like that maybe tempered the quote-unquote suffering a bit. Um, at least I hope. But we do, we do lie. But it's, I mean, either way, Frixio and Little Solace, uh, in general, should be beyond proud of Naraxia's uh, service. Camuccio
1: gets pissed off and he says that the sylphs will fight the empire and to call on them when the time comes to take the fight to the empire yes they are now riled up
0: he's incensed yep and you know i i can't really imagine a group of sylphs in a war but the the fact that he was just freely offering you know when the time comes to fight the 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 empire we'll be there amazing
1: after all that business, we return to the Lich Yard again, and Sister Eluned tells us to take a break. So <laughs> yeah. we head back into the church, say, what's up, Marquez? And he has news. He thinks he's being watched by something sinister. So he asks us to take a look around o- outside. We do so. We walk around the graveyard, and we find out on one of the lower tiers of the Lich Yard, there is an imperial soldier. We dispatch them, but this is concerning that the Imperials are here, and as we'll find out in a minute, that they are spying on Marquez specifically.
0: Yeah, what's going on there?
1: So we tell Father Iliad that we found an Imperial, and he shouts that we should call the Immortal Flames to rally to defend against some attack or infiltration or whatever, but just then the door bursts open and in barges Alfano, declaring that he is reforming the Scions and that he needs Sid Garland to do it. And he looks at Marquez pointedly. I have come in search of a legend, the greatest engineer of our time, Master Sid Garland. I have come for you.
0: I fear you are mistaken, child. He is but a poor soul who bore witness to the horrors at Cardinaux. I beg of you leave us in peace.
1: At this point, Iliad tries to intervene. He tells Alphano to not harass Marquez, but Alphano, of course, is not going to be deterred by some priest. He declares himself as Alfano Lavier. Grandson of sois and Aorzia needs Sid. The primal Garuda has been summoned, and she is terrorizing Kurthus. For now, we need an airship to reach Garuda. Sid's airship.
0: This is when Marquez, aka Sid, he's he's just kind of overwhelmed by everything, and he collapses. There's probably some little trickle of memory deep down starting to flow into his brain and pretty soon this trickle becomes a river and then a torrent as as alfino continues speaking you can tell like these things are they're returning to his mind and to his memories
1: on this revelation father iliad brings out a box of sid's possessions when he first arrived at the church with a hammer on top of the box and sid grasps the hammer and reflects on it and soon departs to change into his old clothes, and he comes out again looking—he
0: looks like absolutely Sid. transformed. Master Sid Garland at your service. Yes,
1: flowing hair, signature goggles, just a bit of chest revealing Garland <laughs> Ironworks outfit.
0: His arms are ridiculous. Like Daddy's got guns. <laughs> yeah, no more, no more. Uh, you know, cloak hiding this physique (laughs) he's (laughs) fucking hot uh yeah so out he comes he's like this is it i'm sid i'm back baby he's
1: back but also he is still he's yeah struggling it's
0: it's still very much a process um but he has made the decision like i know i'm sid the rest is just gonna like figure itself out as i go forward
1: but the airship thing though is especially confounding he is constantly like i have an airship well i have an airship
0: i mean It's like, okay, to have an airship, it's, it's essentially like having a watch. (laughs) Like in this era, it's something you, they don't grow on trees. There's maybe like two in existence that don't belong to the Garlean Empire. Um, So the fact that Alfina was like, yeah, we just need to borrow your airship real quick. And he's like, what? I'm the kind of person who has an airship. Yeah, I think that would be a little bit of a struggle to, to comprehend.
1: But finally, though, he recollects that the name of his airship is the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. After Sid has recollected himself, Iliad ultimately wishes us luck. And he says that being with Sid was like his son was alive again. So we are going to head out to find this airship, last sighted heading over the Wood, with the reformed Scions being ourselves. Alphinault no, and now Sid.
0: Yeah, it's it's the three of us So against the world.
1: A lot happened just there. I believe this is the first time we find out that Alpha No is related to Louis Sois.
0: Right. We don't ever know his last name.
1: Right, until now. Right. So the motivations of him and Alice were unknown until now. But if we know the full backstory of the calamity and so on in Louis Sois, we know now that the twins have come here to Aorzea to in part follow in their grandfather's footsteps
0: mm-hmm.
1: to um to save the realm, essentially each in their own way. Right. Also, we officially meet Sid. And for anyone who has not touched other Final Fantasies besides 14, Cid is a longstanding character in the series. In the great majority of games, there is always a character named Sid, and he is an engineer. His personality and incarnations vary greatly, but Sid himself is a long-standing fixture of the
0: series. I remember when you're playing Seven, Seven, yeah. The, Sid's personality in Seven was completely different. Like he was kind of that. He he was almost like I don't know some like like old-school New Yorker who, who worked in a garage. Like he he had that sort of like swagger. I don't know. Our Sid is very wholesome.
1: Yeah. In 14, though, Sid was a prominent character in the game's 1.0 days, and he helped the then characters fight back against the Empire. And he disappeared during the calamity and evidently lost his memory.
0: And thank God he was found by Father Iliad. Yes. Serendipity. Um, and Father Idiot had, has a moment. He cause I, Did you
1: say Father Idiot?
0: It may have sounded like that. I Father s- Iliad. The recording
1: Ugh. will prove <laughs> whatever will. happens.
0: Um, I'm so sorry, Father Iliad.
1: <laughs> I'm so sorry, uh, Father Idiot.
0: He Sid's reputation precedes him. Father Iliad knows who he is. He knows who Master Sid Garland is. And he is kind of in awe that, like, of all the places he could have ended up, he's in my little chapel. Amazing.
1: So, Jen, do you think that before this revelation came out officially, that Father Iliad was trying to protect and keep Marquez to himself versus let him go. Because there, besides what we get in that cutscene, there's a side quest where the other members of the church want to buy Father Iliad a gift because they're so thankful to him. Mm-hmm. And so you go out and you ultimately get him some cinnamon and cookies. And the smell of these cookies reminds the father of his late son who. He of course he, he was close to, mm-hmm. and he mourns the early passing of his son. That combined with this line about Sid being like a surrogate son to him, kind of made me feel like he wasn't trying to keep Sid to himself, but also he kind of liked Marquez versus whoever Marquez used to be, and is trying to maintain the current status quo a little bit.
0: I uh I would say a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I don't think he knew that he was. Literally said, No, I
1: don't think so either, right?
0: But I think, um, there was definitely like he could sense there was something special about this person, especially because I, I, I'm i sure he found him, you know, par- like partially dressed in the desert. Um, so he knew that he was garlean because yeah. he has the you know, well, the third eye,
1: he does, but also he had the ironworks uniform on too.
0: He could have been an employee, like he knew. Something was very special about this person, but he also knew that this this person had no recollection of his past life. And so it was more like, you know, I am happy to keep this person um, at the church to protect him and hopefully he regains his memory. And at the same time, I am also enjoying having his company. It's very comforting to me since I lost my son.
1: Well, the fuel for my Iliad is a little bit selfish theory is also that he had this box of possessions, which he never shared with Marquez until the cat was out of the bag.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and again, this is, this is you know, Jen seeing everything through rose-colored glasses. And you don't know if, like, shoving somebody's belongings into their face in, in an attempt to rekindle their memory will be a positive experience or a traumatic one yep and so i mean honestly marquez seemed to have and until he got access to that timepiece there was no opportunity for him to display his engineering prowess so there was nothing there for father iliad to even you know be like wow you're really good at clockwork mechanisms or whatever i I found this hammer with you when I found you. Does this trigger anything for you? and so i I you know there was maybe a little bit of selfishness, but I don't think he was purposefully withholding Sid from the world just so that he could have a you know a a, a son analog in his life.
1: My feeling was that deep down he was, but obviously it's all unconfirmed. It's just I, I'm a sure little there's
0: a little bit of that probably yeah. you know
1: anyway. So we hear the same rumor over like four times. The first one though comes from Iliad who says that in the wake of the calamity there were rumors circulating and much like the tale of the great Gubu wall of Ulda we talked much about the final flight of the Enterprise mm-hmm. and how it was seen over over the Twelve's Wood. Yeah. That's the whole rumor.
0: That's it. Like we saw it it was heading over the North shroud towards Curthus and yep. that was it.
1: And we get this exact same rumor two or three times more. Like, it doesn't develop at all. It's like, yep, we saw the ship flying towards Curthus.
0: But if we, you know, and at this point, we don't know. Uh, eventually, we get to Aethelmare in Falgord Float. And we, well, no, I think, I don't think he even says anything. You no, know, he says the exact same thing. You know, if it's going from Gridania to Curthus, and the fact that, like, kurthas and ishgard are very again like insular communities <laughs> uh-huh. um, um societies the fact that it like it went into kurthas and was lost to those of us still in you know Gridania or the other three city-states I-, I could see that
1: i just find it a bit odd this rumor does not develop whatsoever from start to finish i knew as much at the very start from father iliad as i did when we got it from the very last person who saw it in a moment. Yeah. But before we get there, though, um, side note about the great Gubu wall. This was a player phenomenon at the very end of 1.0 where a horde of players lined up in a wall outside Ulda with their Gubu mounts and just chilled, making a, a line of Gubus. No And way. there are videos of this online if you want to go check it out. But this was wow a player occurrence that has been immortalized in the <laughs> Realm reborn dialogue.
0: That's amazing! You did it, guys! <laughs> Way to go! Oh my god! I'm wondering if um, god, I remember in and you're gonna moogle this out. Uh, an Endwalker... Uh, what's the name of the dog <laughs> on the um, the Davy uh platform out in the ocean where that Fate is. Yep. There was a like this was like in the very beginning where everybody was like the fate, and so everybody got on their (laughs) mounts and they made like this tower where all the dogs were stacked one on top of another and it was just like impossibly high. That was that was amazing. So, like, the the um, You know, like the Tower of Babel. I guess I wonder if that would ever become part of the lore. <laughs> that would be just fucking incredible. Just this this golden beacon out in the middle of the ocean.
1: That was pretty great, yeah. Yeah, that was super cool. <laughs> Jen is referring to the world boss fate in one of the two early in Walker zones.
0: Yeah. <laughs> DM me for a screenshot.
1: <laughs> you can tweet at us. <laughs>
0: Let me see that screenshot at. Oh, well, yes, you, you can tweet at us at at pod return.
1: There you go. <laughs> so um, we follow Iliad's advice and head to Fall Gord Float in North Shroud. We hit up Adelmare, who is the local serpent sergeant. He says the same thing. Yes, he saw the Enterprise flying here five years ago, maybe towards Curthus. Maybe the guard tower on the border saw something else. We head up to the guard tower, Florentel's Spire, and ask what's up. The guard there says the same thing. Yes, he saw the Enterprise flying overhead towards Curthus. Maybe you should ask the Ishgardians in Curthus what they know. So he refers us to the astrologians who are stationed in the observatory in Curthus Central Highlands. But he warns us, though, that they are not likely to be helpful. The Ishgardian nation has withdrawn inward, and they do not deal with outsiders whatsoever.
0: Right. They're basically Switzerland. They, you know, they're not interested in our petty squabbles and our, and our little Aeorizan trivialities.
1: Switzerland, if they had a existential threat <laughs> at their doorstep constantly.
0: Right. So, you know, they're basically worried about their own shit, and they don't give a fuck about what's going on outside. So if we come in and we're like, we got a problem, they're going to be like, oh, that's nice. I'm happy for you.
1: But all the same, we've got to try. So we head to Curthis, Central Highlands, to try and seek out the Enterprise.
0: Here we go. We're going to put a crack in the Ishgardian wall. I, I don't know.
1: That was well said, actually, oh, thank <laughs> until you. you sabotage yourself yeah, there.
0: Yeah. I'm like, this is stupid. Why am I saying it?
1: We'll leave off there this time with us just about to make contact with the Ishgardians for the first time.
0: Oh, boy. Oh, it's exciting.
1: Even though the cause in this episode's kickoff is grim, Jen the MSQ just gains so much energy from this moment.
0: Holy shit. It yes. is night
1: and day from all the company of zeros bullshit until like right now.
0: Yeah, this 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 is stakes. All right? Everything before this was frivolous. It seemed. Um obviously, you know, defeating a freet and titan are very um, you know, critical tasks that we had to complete.
1: To be the devil's advocate there though, Yes, they are critical for sure because of the way they are set up, but they also don't feel they don't
0: f- threatening. Yes.
1: They're not doing anything that feels we just personal. It's like
0: hearsay. Yeah, like we've heard that these primals have been summoned and we need to stop them before they wreak havoc. I'm like, okay, well, great because no havoc has yet been wreaked. So we we like we cut it off before anything really really heavy or significant feels like it happens. Yeah, and. Um, and that, that paired with, like, you know, all the Company of Heroes bullshit that we've, you know, that is, a, we're beating a dead horse in that point. But um, this, that's why I say this is, this is meat and pop now. Like, this feels heavy. This feels real. And now it's not like us in a company of, you know, 30, 40, 50 random folks in, in, sitting in the Scion break room. It's literally three of us, one of whom doesn't have his, his complete faculties. And the other one is a pompous little piece of shit child, yeah, yeah like who thinks he's going to change the world because he just graduated college. So you know the odds are stacked against us here, and now we're heading off into a territory that is traditionally not necessarily hostile, but completely uh, dismissive um, to folks from other other lands.
1: I am looking forward to seeing Ishgard for the first time on this playthrough with my second playthrough lens. The only thing I recall about this segment is that that fucking tower is a pain to get up and down. Dude,
0: eventually you just realize I'm just gonna fall down the center of it and take the HP hit.
1: That solves one way. One but... way, <laughs> yeah. But you still
0: have to run the fuck up anyway. Yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll get there. There's there's a lot of those towers. I feel in Cirthis.
1: Yeah. Well, this one has a reason because it's the observatory. Sure. So it's gonna be tall.
0: But there are other ones that are just like dorms.
1: Just fuck <laughs> you, Jint. Get some calves going.
0: No, I just hop on my chocobo.
1: Get some chocobo calves going. Mm -hmm. Sid-wise, on my first playthrough, I had Marquez marked as Sid because I saw the goggles and I fucking knew this is going to be the guy.
0: It's going to be the Sid.
1: Those goggles are a pretty strong tell.
0: Indeed. I didn't know because I didn't know. (laughs) Sure. um, I didn't know there was a Sid.
1: It's a bit odd that he's wearing those things in that hood for months at least.
0: I'm thinking, yeah, who knows? Who knows? We could speculate that Iliad was like, I mean, these must be special special boy glasses and you get to keep your special boy glasses.
1: Maybe they're on onto else. his head. They, they were fused by the energies of the Calamity yeah. onto his head.
0: Yeah. Or maybe he kept them on because you know, you have a clearly girlian survivor after the Battle of Cartano. Maybe you want to try to keep that a secret.
1: You got goggles and a hood. Sure. No one's going to see. Anything else, Jen? Nope. Next time... We are talking about the Scholar Job Quest through Level 50.
0: And that will do it for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you want to reach out, totally do that at podreturnffxav at gmail.com or on Twitter at podreturn. We really hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a great day or night, and we will see you next time.